look, the American economy is doing extremely well. Um, inflation has been high, and it's been a concern to households. It's come down considerably. At the same time, we have about the strongest labor market we've seen in 50 years with 3.8% unemployment. And at the same time, um, America, the Biden administration, has passed legislation that is strengthening our economy um, in the years to come for the medium term. Yes, I thought you were going to say it. I'll say it eight percent. The 30 year fix has jumped 20 basis points just this week as investors digest stronger than expected economic news. So now we have an eight handle. Compare that to just three percent two years ago. What that means for a person buying a four hundred thousand dollar home with 20 percent down is they are now paying about a thousand dollars more a month today than they would have just two years ago. I'm announcing that Syngenta, a Chinese state-owned agrochemical company, must give up its land holdings in Arkansas. Syngenta owns 160 acres in northeast Arkansas, which it uses primarily for seed research. The company that owns Syngenta, Kim China, is also on the Department of Defense's list of Chinese military companies posing a clear threat to our state. Seeds are technology. Chinese state-owned corporations filter that technology back to their homeland, stealing American research and telling our enemies how to target American farms. That is a clear threat to our national security and to our great farmers. I've told the story before, and I'll tell it again, of my first meeting with an Israeli prime minister 50 years ago as a young senator. I was sitting across from Golda Meir at her desk in her office, and she had a guy named guy who later became prime minister sitting next to me. How at the hospital, sir? People all over the region um, are upset about the hospital and don't necessarily believe uh, you or the Israelis that they didn't have anything to do with it. Do you have a message to the people in the streets right now? Well, I can understand why in this circumstance they wouldn't believe. I can understand that. And, but uh, I would not notice I don't say things like that unless I have faith in the source from which I've gotten our Defense Department says it's highly unlikely that it was Israelis would have had a different footprint and they've intercepted some anyway. And uh, so that's why if you notice I didn't say it first. I didn't, I wanted to make sure that I knew. And look and I'm not suggesting that Hamas deliberately did it either. It's that old thing. Got to learn how to shoot straight. And welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 153 here on Thursday, October 19th. And we, unlike Hamas, we shoot straight here at the Unregulated Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm Mike McKenna. Wow. Golda. I didn't think he would. I didn't. I didn't think that Golda Meir would sh would come up in any conversation at this at this juncture in my life. Joe but Biden, good old President Biden, did the recall again. He's the first Jewish president in America. <laughs> in the fog of of, I would call it the fog of war, but I just think it's more like the fog of Joe. I want you to think about that first sentence. Fifty years ago, when I was a young senator, I'm just like, oh boy, you know, talk talk about. A I was I was one and a half when he was a young senator. Talk, talk about a statement against interest. I'm like, yeah, fifty years ago, when I was busy screwing up something else. Yeah, I. It's just yikes. It's mind numbing to me. I'm telling you, I'm looking for very very serious thing, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But so I. I knew you'd. Uh, I brought this uh, clip from Sarah Huckabee up because I wanted your take on it. I'm, I'm guessing that you're, yeah, I like a it. big fan of this move. I am. I am. So just you know, uh, obviously to recap, uh, the first, the first company in the United States that will be kicked out uh, of the state of Arkansas. This this agribusiness company. Yeah. Um, I've said this for a, a couple of years now. I'll say it again. Um, the American people are to the right of their elected officials on China. 
they understand the threat better than do the elected officials. Um, and you're going to see more stuff like this because because the thing about governors is they get it every day in the grocery store. Yeah. Um, you know, they're much more susceptible to um, yeah, which immediate fact be patterns. presidents, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because they, 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 you know, whatever what, whatever the House of Representatives thinks it is, a, you know, governors actually are, right? So, um, you, you know, you think about it, Glenn Youngkin did it with the, with the cattle thing, right? The cattle battery plant that, that, that yeah. Gretchen Whitmer was, was careless enough to, to agree to in Michigan. Glenn's like, I don't want it here. I don't want the Chinese here. I don't want you know this is not good. So all these people at the all these people at the at the national level blathering about how difficult it's going to be to decouple and blah 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 blah. I'm like, you guys are you're fighting a losing battle. Everybody, yeah, I just want to like I just want to set the table here as we talk as we are talking about this. President Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin were busy shaking each other's hand calling each other old and dear friends yeah i i suppose i suppose that joe biden's hundred and whatever thousand miles that he traveled with ping like you know 15 years ago might be fading a little um they are literally like taking swipes at the united states and depicting themselves as the builders of a fairer multipolar world true I'm sure it's true. Pay no attention to the no. fact that there that the there is out migration from both of those countries that pe their own yes. people can't can't get out fast enough. Yeah. Um, pay no attention to the fact that the Russian empire has shrunk by almost sixty percent in the last twenty five years. Pay no attention to the fact that the Chinese can't even reproduce. Other than that, they're definitely the face of the future. I mean, given that, you know, there, there won't actually be any Russian children or Chinese children to be in the future, but they're the face of it. So good luck, fellas. I, I, can we talk about China for just one more second? We can talk about anything we want because this is our podcast. All right. I got to, I got to say one thing about the Chinese and, and Steve Malloy wrote about this for the Hill in case you're looking for the story. Um, <laughs> at United Nations Climate Week last week, the Chinese climate dude got up and said, you know what, we're still going to keep our net zero goal, but we're going to take off the back end date. I, we were going to, I was going to bring this up. So I'm glad you did. It, 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 for yesterday I put in a pipeline, remember? I know. Oh, that's right. You did. I'm sorry. It was quick. Great. Send special envoy carry. China is screwing <laughs> ah, up again. Ah. You know, for, for three or four years, I've been wondering, how does this net zero craze end, right? How does it, you know, cause it can't, it's not going to happen. So it's got to end right somewhere and um, and leave it to the Chinese to come up with the simple answer, right? The simple answer is we're definitely going to keep it as a goal. We're just not going to have a date on it. So well, their date was already like 2060. 2060. 2060. Yeah, 2060. It, was, it was already way out there. Now it's just like, you know what? Just erase that. And the best thing is that like – they went right to grid reliability. Like, hey, man, we, we can't figure out a way to do it consistent with grid reliability, which, by the way, is exactly what you'd get from any grid operator in the United States. You'd get like, yeah, we can't figure out a way to do this that makes any sense. It, it So – Well, I still think you, know, you should have included in your column, by the way, which was excellent. If you were speaker for a day, what you would put on the floor. We've never had a vote on net zero. Yeah, man. I don't recall ever being ever even being a committee hearing on net zero. I think we should have a vote. Uh, you know, uh, I think we should have a vote on Gan. If um, it's the policy of the United States that will be net zero by 2050, somebody in Congress might have ought to had 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 something to say about it. But yeah, we we you whatever know, we don't do that anymore. We can't even elect speakers. Well, we made a fundamental. The folks who are concerned about this made a fundamental mistake, right? In at the top of the Trump administration, when when they got talked out of putting the Paris Accords on the floor for a vote. They should have they should have presented that to the Senate as a treaty and let them vote on it. And everybody yeah, all the senators we pushed were like for that. And the theory was was that well, none the election of the well the th the theory was is we had them teed up for a last uh you know last item of the presidency slash, you know, among the list of you know pardons and what have you. But no, apparently the whole insurrection thing was, no. was kind of we should have should have should have done that right out of the gate and and you know net zero carbon tax 
banning gas-powered vehicles. Let 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 put it all on. Let's vote. Let's vote on all this stuff because my guess is it's going to be, you know, unpopular. But I could be wrong. Sheldon yeah, Wh- Sheldon Whitehouse be. Sheldon Whitehouse could be right. Well, and that's the point of of doing uh, the whole legislative thing, right? Um, Janet Yellen continues to insist that the economy is doing extremely well, except for a little inflation. She's she, um, and she's totally right. Secretary Yellen's completely right. Hey, can I read yeah. a poll about this? Yeah, yeah. So, um, my friends at uh, <laughs> my friends from Bloomberg um, did a survey. Right. You, I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, the Axios write up of it. It uh, surveyed 5,023 5, registered voters across seven states. I don't know why they keep polling registered voters. Vote likely yeah, voters. Why not likely point? voters? Because they're lazy and cheap. Found that voters who said the economy was their most important issue disapproved of Biden's economic policies. Want to guess the split? Uh, 70-30. Pretty close. 65 to 14. 51% of swing state voters said the national economy was better off under uh, former President Trump. Overall, just 26% of the voters in the poll said Bidenomics has been good for the economy, while 49% disapproved of the policies. That poll was done in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Um, I I appreciate Secretary Yellen's um, commentary. I don't believe the voters um, agree well, completely. Well, uh, record high uh, 8% mortgage rates uh, might bear a little bit of uh, Notice. fiction in her rosy estimate of how well everything's going. I, I, you 8%, know, man. You know what? When when Treasury does this, it, the Republicans should counter-program and like get a gas station owner or somebody to come up and go, yeah, let me tell you how it actually looks from Dubuque or something, right? Yeah. I would assume that the Republicans can get their act together. All right. Any announcements? Any announcements? Uh, I'm sure I should have one, but I can't think of it. Yes. I want to um, I want to apologize to a person, and this person knows who they are. Um, I was perhaps not as um, excited to see them as I should have been, so I apologize about that. How about, okay. th- how about that for – how about that for – vagueness all right and i want to wish terry's husband john a uh speedy well not a speedy recovery because he hasn't gone in for surgery yet but uh was diagnosed with prostate cancer and they're going to try and get it all out so i'll be praying for terry's husband and terry and their family um and so another another weird like this is like three times in the last i don't know how many weeks now we we fell on this day in history and recorded last year. Um, so this is another repeat. And if we keep getting more of these, I might have to get rid of this segment. But it's kind of fun because history is cool. Um, in 1781. Yorktown. Yes. Lord Cornwall- Cornwallis was uh, surrendered at the Battle of Yorktown. October 19, 1781. That's right. And that was effectively the end of the uh, American Revolution or the beginning of the American Revolution, I guess you could say. So, uh, okay. So uh, this again in just uh, just let me just just let me let me interrupt for a second. Yes, sir. That 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 cheesy bastard Cornwallis, Lord Cornwallis, Lord Cornwallis, who after he was done trying to kill Americans, went over and killed Irishmen. Um, wasn't even man enough to surrender to Washington. He sent out his second in command. Yes, I remember we discussed. They should that. have bayoneted the troops at that point. I, I, and the I, world turned upside down. I don't don't understand the British sometimes. I really don't. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. One, uh, let's see. Two years later, two years later in September of 1783, the Treaty of Paris was signed. This was in 1985. This is a uh, pop culture reference, and we actually brought up last time too, because other than the Cornwallis deal, not much happened on this day in history. In 1985, in Dallas, Texas. A video rental store opened by the name of Blockbuster. Oh boy, <laughs> that's a that's a quick rise and fall. Well, not so quick. I mean, there's still one left in Bend, Oregon, but they mainly sell like retro Blockbuster, like you know, merch. So, really? 
Yep. And then on this day, 1987. Oh. Oh. Uh, it was a Monday. It was not light, but it was dark. Black. It was Black Monday on the on Wall Street. Black Monday. Yeah, yeah. We dropped like 300 largest points. Largest drop of the Dow Jones uh, in history, even more than the percentage uh, during the Great Depression. I was working in the Reagan administration. I remember that day. It was They're back in the day. There's a lot of back in my day. Back... <laughs> <laughs> we were told not to bring that up back anymore. In, back in aught six. <laughs> <laughs> me and me and Sammy were working a cotton gin out in the back and <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> All right. So um, let's bring, let's talk Israel. Let's talk Hamas. Let's talk Biden. Let's, let's chat, chat about this for a little bit. I don't have any articles. Uh, a lot's been going on uh, uh, this hospital thing. Um. When you say the other team, I, I don't get this. I don't get this guy. It, our our uh, intelligence shows that the other this was not done by Israel. This was the other team. This isn't a. This isn't a. Yeah. You don't call, like, terrorists who murdered and butchered children and babies, the other team. Like, what is going on here with these guys? Maybe he meant the Iranians. Didn't want to say the Iranians. I don't know. You know, it. it <clears throat> you know how to, how to say this the right way? Uh, precision. Precision. Forget accuracy for a second. Precision has not always been um, President well, President I, Biden's I, strong suit, right? I, I'll take this a step further, and I'll say that. Um, President Biden is showing support for Israel, but what's happening behind the scenes is really what it what we need to know. Well, I, because why has this ground uh, invasion not happened yet? It's been three weeks now, or two, you know, two no, plus only, weeks. It's I think it's been a week and a half. Seems longer. A week and a half. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I mean, it, it could be they're given as they're given as many civilians a chance to get out as they can. It, it and I mean it it. I don't even really care. I mean, I'm assuming the Israelis are going to kill. I mean, I'm not rooting for a ground troop, you know, bloody urban warfare battle either. But I don't know. I'm not going to speculate. But I do feel like the United States, this administration in particular, is not clear. Well, and, and as clear in their support for Israel as, say, your boss was yeah nobody i mean here's uh, the, here's the thing right here's the here's the question to which here's the question to which i have never gotten an answer i've never seen an answer that i liked and that is this why are the democrats all in on the on the iranians that's my point in the middle east why have they decided that iran is going to be the guys they're going to back instead of the saudis and the israelis i don't understand it i mean it's, don't get me wrong i Saudis are not the most appealing human beings on the planet, but <laughs> bad news. Neither are the Iranians. If you got to pick somebody, I don't understand why you pick the most dangerous, the most um, obstreperous unstable. crowd. Yeah, the most unstable, the most aggressive, right? I mean, the thing is, this is all about, like I said, preventing the Saudis from from um, linking up with the Israelis because everybody knows, the Iranians know and the Democrats in the White House know. That once the Saudis and the Israelis join hands, that this nonsense is over, right? You know, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about the Palestinians anymore. And we're not really going to worry about the Iranians anymore. Um, once you marry up the Saudi economic might with the Israeli military might, that's going to be a pretty formidable um, team, right? Yeah. So, and, I, But I don't – I've never gotten an explanation from anybody like, why do you pick Iran? Why did Obama pick Iran? Well, I mean – Look at what's going on within the Democratic Party. There's a clearly anti-Israel, anti-Israel is its own state. Uh, you know, yeah, I get that. Going on. I get that. And right. This was all started under President Obama. I mean, he was literally the first Democrat in my lifetime to openly snub Israel, Israeli leaders. Well, I think. Right? I think I. Did I did I say so, that, did I say this last week? I think I said this last week. The math is the math is simple, right? Um, there's now more Muslims in America than there are Jews, and it's just a matter of time until that reality starts ref being reflected in our national yeah, politics. We, yeah. It, it, it. 
but why the Iranians? I mean, there's all kinds of Muslims. There are all kinds of flavors of Muslims. You could pick anybody. Yeah. The Saudis are Muslims, good, right? Why do you pick the Persians? It's crazy. And yeah. I always remember, I always remember Saddam Hussein's last words. You probably don't. Uh, Beware the Persians. Beware the Persians, right? Yeah. It, it, he, he, now, keep in mind, he was a guy who had a lifetime of getting, you know, of, of killing and um, trying to be killed by Iranians. But still, a hell of a thing for the last words of somebody, right? I mean, I, I don't know if my last words are going to be like, you know, beware the English, but, eh, you know, it, it, it's just weird. And I don't understand why nobody in the press asked that. Just that simple fundamental question. Why did you guys pick the Iranians? Why are you so obsessed with Iran? They with have been obsessed them with in? them since 2008. Yeah. Why? But why? There doesn't seem to be any advantage in it. I don't understand for them politically or America internationally. I don't understand why they're doing it. Dodd. Well, there's a whole lot going on here. Uh, primetime speech tonight. Is it tonight? Tomorrow, one of these days. I'm sorry, who's uh, who, who's making a primetime speech? President Biden. About what? Gonna, About this? Link all this up together. Israel, Ukraine, you to shore up that hundred billion dollar supplemental request. We're now up to a hundred billion dollars. Don't be, don't be, don't be a child. That number's going to wind up being three hundred billion by the time it's all over. <laughs> yeah. You want to bet? Uh, you want to? You want to? You want to pick a number? Uh, okay. Go ahead. Over. Let's do an over under. <laughs> you want me to set the over under and you pick it? Yeah. One seventy five. You're gonna go under. Oh, it's I'm gonna, gonna be hundred fifty. I'm gonna win that. I'm gonna win that. It's not even competitive. Come on. <laughs> These are senators we're talking about. They're the ones setting the numbers. They have no conception of restraint. Yeah, this is pretty high already. What are you so, talking? It's a hundred billion dollars. It's a rounding error. That's how these guys think about this stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, and then there, of course, was an insurrection yesterday in the Cannon Rotunda. Did you see this? Uh, yeah, I did. The protest, the pro-Palestinian. Does that make them pro-Hamas or or not? I don't know. Am I am I allowed to say that? The pro-Hamas Palestinian protest that was happening outside where the the squad was ginning up the crowd ginning up the crowd mike storm the cannon rotunda so what's going to happen with these people are they going to get thrown into the the gulag gulags or what no i don't think so because their their protest only lasted like an hour you know, the, the Trump thing lasted four hours. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a well known thing in American law that if you violate the law for four hours, you're, you're guilty. And if you violate the law for one hour, you're okay. They just kind of give you off, <laughs> let you off with a warning. You know, I ran, right, so, I ran so across, they, I, I ran across a batch of those people on the subway yesterday and I wasn't, I didn't know what, what had happened. Right. So like holding on to these Palestinian signs and they're all, you know, they're usual scruffy losers that come to these things from the left. And, um, and I got into it with one of them, and I probably shouldn't, because you know one of them was like, "We are Palestine." I'm like, I'd be a little careful waving that thing around. You know, you, you might as well just put a sign out saying, "We're a pack of murderers." And she, Seriously. she, she, and she and her husband didn't approve of that. You, we are Palestine. I'm willing to bet a hundred bucks they were white Anglo-Saxon Protestants from upstate New York. You know, I'm like, you know, you don't look like you're Palestine. Just to see you know, guys. Yeah. Anyway. So anyways, uh... The, uh, By the way, were any arrests made? I, I don't know, but the the lady who uh, started lib libs of TikTok, she yeah. she had a, a picture of the insurrection, and she said, "I'm still reviewing footage from other <laughs> angles, but so far it appears this may be worse than 9/11 and Pearl Harbor combined. So top that." Senator Schumer, nice. not that I, Vice President Harris. I, I worse, worse. Now we joke here at the Unregulated Podcast, but honestly, like one-sided, the you know this one-sidedness about what is destroying democracy and what is you know not is is get is is couldn't be more clear, right? 
This is this is this is you, you know, no one has more respect for the judicial and legal system than I do, including most of the lawyers who are actually in the middle of it. Um, nothing deteriorates people's confidence in the rule of law more than watching it get applied unequally every day. Unequally and unevenly. In fact, um, yesterday, Sam, Speaker Emerita Pelosi said that the Jordan vote was an attack on our democracy, an assault on our democracy. Chairman, a a vote is now an assault on democracy. (laughs) It's insane. And Hakeem Jeffries spent quite a bit of his political capital after Trump was elected calling into question the validity of his election. Um, but you know, that's all memory hold. You know, you so know, what, you know, you know, can I, can I just take a divergence on the Jordan thing for a second? I know we're going to talk about it, but I got to yeah, get this out of quest. Thing. Who's next. That's what was the next segment. Um, okay. I, I can wait. I can wait. All right. So uh, Jordan is may or may not call for a third vote. Uh, he lost two votes between one and two. He didn't go the, the other way, although, he, re- he picked up a couple, but lost a few more. Um, and and there's all kinds of speculation as to what actually is going to happen next. Um, the Punchbowl guys said, oh, well, no, this is an easy escape for Jordan because if they, if they give uh, the gavel temporarily to um, McHenry, then he can do all the bad stuff that's going to happen with the budget. Um, and then he can, you know, rail against it on the floor and then run again after the new year. Um, Are you, hey, did somebody that's, actually, that's, did that's some, Punchbowl. Did, did somebody actually put that in writing? Yeah. Yeah. Punchbowl wrote that whole thing out. Okay. Right? First off. Like, okay. Okay. First off. There's one, only one to two possibilities. One, reporters are idiots sometimes in some places. Um, or two, editors wanted them to write that story. So that guy wrote that story. Cause that's yeah. a ridiculous, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, no, that was the that was the whole was the takeaway from this morning. Now, that of course is the sort of transfer power to Democrats by putting McCarthy in charge and having them protect him from a motion to vacate, which McCarthy McHenry McHenry McHenry. Sorry, McCarthy. You can see how I made that mistake. They're the same uh, guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, the the third option, of course, is Jordan has no chance uh, and will they, you know, give up and then we're back at it again. Uh, so who's next? Who's next? That's easy. Who, who's going to be the next person who yeah, that's easy. stands up to get shot down? I, 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 that is easy. I, I've had this. I, I have said this is how it's going to end for the last week or so. Right. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm right. It only ends in one of two ways. Most likely ending is they just wind up giving McHenry uh, more authority, right? That that's the easy answer. It's a simple answer, and McHenry is, well, not anybody's preferred choice is acceptable to everybody. That's choice number one, and the most likely one. Like like if you played the game a hundred times, that's where we're going to wind up seventy times. The the second choice number two is, um, we find a compromise candidate um, who's a um, who's basically a moderate, probably a senior moderate, maybe a committee chairman, who is acceptable to Trump, um, who who can be endorsed by Trump, right? That's the way it's going to work. You're going to have to have a moderate who gets endorsed by Trump. That There are a bunch of people that could fall under that <clears throat> definition, right? Elise Stefanik, um, uh, Kathleen Morris Rogers at Energy, um, or my personal favorite and the man whose candidacy I hereby uh, both endorse and announce that I'm working for and I will work for every day until he accepts the gavel, uh, Bruce Westerman, um, the pride of Arkansas, the only forester in the United States Congress um, and the chairman of the House Resources Committee. Well, so Bruce, Bruce Westerman can... for speaker. I'm going only, to – Only Bruce can prevent – forest fire only bruce can prevent the house lighting on fire i'm telling you we're going to plant the so, trillion trees on the house floor we're going to move from victory to victory oh i got a i got a nice little segment on, on <laughs> trillion trees too this is perfect so i don't know how it's gonna uh, end up uh i think those are all plausible scenarios uh, there's also this Mike Johnson. I'm not really sure Bruce Westerman is a plausible. Louisiana. We're not going to hire. Um, we're not going to hire. I I think the message of the Jim Jordan votes and the fact that he bled votes as it went on and would have bled more votes, or will bleed, bleed more votes until it's over, right? 
I want to say this carefully because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I think the moderates aren't going to accept the stooge. Um, they're not going to accept, accept somebody out of the McCarthy clan. It's going to have to be somebody else. Okay, so there is talk of, of Mike Johnson, the young man, the young uh, up-and-comer from Louisiana who ascended to the Republican study committee perch. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Emmer kind of hanging out there. No, also, no. Uh, what is it? Her is it Hearn? Kevin Hearn, yeah, from RSC. Yeah, Kevin Hearn is a maybe. Um, Mike Johnson is a is I think a McCarthy guy, so I think that's probably a no. Um, and Emmer is a McCarthy guy, so that's probably a no too. Yeah. So I don't, you know, it it like I said, we, we, all these names have a couple things in common, right? They're all they all come out of the out of the Kevin McCarthy coaching tree. Um. I just we have to. I think we're done with that. I don't think that's going to happen. Get, we have to get this resolved. I mean, even if the person says, "Hey, I'll just be speaker until next year." Well, the simple way to do this, right, it, I'll be a caretaker speaker for you, and then. Yeah, well, then yeah. that's why I think you're looking at a senior moderate that has no real ambition, right? No ambition yeah. left. And, you know, somebody who's like, "All right, I'll take the bullet for the team." The the um, the easy answer and the one nobody wants to do. Pick a pick a name out of a hat. Yeah, no one's going to do that. I don't, under uh, I don't understand they why. They really should have, well, the speaker. you know why it didn't happen, but, you know, Steve Scalise was probably the best option. Steve Scalise, Steve Scalise was so. far and away the best option and should have been the speaker originally. Um, this, is a, this, is, this is a natural consequence of picking Speaker McCarthy in the first place and his, and his retinue of relatively unappetizing human beings. Yeah. The natural okay. consequence. We, you're the one who doesn't want to talk about this, so we should move on. Uh, the vote, third vote today, possibly, maybe not. We'll see. I hope we're not talking. I hope next week we're we're talking about the person who ends up being speaker. If they go on another week, um, oh, it's I, just going to be outrageous. Oh, I, I wouldn't put. Okay, two things. First off, the way Jordan, the the way the vote with Jordan has been set up is that is that he has commitments from people on votes one through five, right? Um, and that drop off at, at, at votes one, vote two, vote three, vote four, vote five. So each time he loses, he has four or five additional people drop off. So he's not just trying to make a deal with the 20-odd people that, that he already has voted against him or voted for someone else. He has to make that deal plus five, plus five, plus five. So the chances of him yeah. catching this train are like zero. Yeah. Okay. Let me just wrap – Okay. And the other thing I was going to say is, sorry, the other thing I was going to say is, don't be surprised if they don't stay here over the weekend trying to solve this thing. I don't think they're going home. Okay. So let me just conclude this uh, segment by saying that the conservatives, uh, the Freedom Caucus, the Chip Roys uh, of the world had a much better hand, were in a much stronger position when they when they had Speaker McCarthy and the concessions that they were given. Um, Agreed. Now, the moderates and the appropriators and the armed services folks yeah, man. are running the show. Yeah, it's a great insight, right? And it's true. And they're the exact opposite of people, even guys like John Rutherford, who's, you know, should be a conservative uh, in, in the state of Florida, uh, is not voting for Jim Jordan and voting, you know, for, for other people. Mm. So, so the point being is, is that the leverage that they had is now gone. Yeah. Um, and probably not to remain. And especially if, and this is a big, if at this point, um, they pick up Republicans, pick up seats in the next election. Yeah. So I think they blew it. They really had a good, a Whoa. good thing going. <laughs> um, my favorite, my favorite thing is that, that is that the McCarthy team sent out Tom Cole to tell him that. My couple three days ago, recalls like, "Hey, all deals are off." I was just yeah. like, "I was like, yes, of course, all deals are off." But the fact that you have to say that kind of makes you wonder about the, your counterparties. I, the the thing about um, I, I'm, I don't completely understand on how you how you work in a business where you make deals all the time, and you make a deal and it's a good one. You make it, you drive it, and it's a good one, and it helps you. And then somewhere along the pro along the way, you decide, you know what? I'm just going to blow this thing up and hope to get a better one. Yeah, there's a couple of things uh, that you know uh, are in play here. The, the the more that the conference meets, the worse it's going to get. 
Yep. Because personalities are are replacing rational thought. Uh, personal, you know, personal person personal animosity towards one another, this person or that person overrides any rational thought. The Republicans need to get together and just pick somebody, like you said, and do it unanimous, like all of them, yes. everyone for this guy. Yes. That's how this is going to have to end. Yes. Um, Janet Yellen talked about how amazing the economy is. The uh, supplemental is up to $100 billion. The mechanic, Mr. McKenna, thinks it'll be more than 175 billion by the time this is over. I found this piece I thought it was really interesting, and I, you probably knew this already, Mike. But uh, this is from a sort of a money money blog, a money you know person who comments on this stuff. The U.S. government is currently spending more to pay interest on its 33 trillion dollar national debt than it does on national defense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming. According to data from the U.S. Treasury's monthly statement in the current fiscal year up to August, Treasury has shelled out a staggering eight hundred and seven point eight four billion dollars in interest payments on its debt securities. In stark contrast, the Department of Defense's budget for military programs totaled six hundred and ninety five billion during the same period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Pat Moynihan, the, the I don't want to say the great former senator from New York State, but the <clears throat> the guy, the guy who did thoughtful, interesting, thoughtful. Sort of, thank you. Know, thoughtful is that because I don't thoughtful. I barely yes. agreed with hardly anything he ever did. He said that the problem with the national debt was um, that it was a transfer of wealth from taxpayers to bondholders. And. As such, was the most regressive government program he'd ever run across. Right, the fact that the the, the debt was a was a government program, right, was the most regressive thing he'd ever run across. Um, and I remember at the time when he said it, I thought, nah, I'm not sure that's that important. But here we are. Now it's 800 billion dollar transfer every year from taxpayers to bondholders. It's not going down. No, it's not going to go down after no. this round. No, that's why it's so hard to take this House Speaker's thing so seriously. Because we're literally the, – the, 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 the difference that people are now fist fighting over is about $70 billion or, as we like to call it, about 1% of the federal government budget. If you were serious, if this was a company, we'd be hemorrhaging red ink. People would be like, we got to cut like 25%. We got to get yeah. on it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, I think um, so too. I think so too. It limits. I don't it, think it, people understand it. It limits your ability. To, it limits your. It's like like all debt everywhere, personal or or corporate or or public. It limits your ability to do stuff. This does. Yeah, and it also increases the risk of uh, the things that we have and expect to have as we retire of being changed. I mean, four hundred one ks can be changed. They're already changing them. You can't, after this year, you can no longer do your catch-up contributions as a um, 401k. It has to be a Roth. Yeah. Because they want the taxes now. Yeah. Right? I, I, That's I, a change. That's not a change for the better. It's limiting our options. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a bottom line is somebody's going to wind up paying for this. You, your kids, somebody. We'll see. Either either in inflation, either in either in a less valuable dollar or in a more um, expensive tax bill. That's it. Those are your two choices. Okay, so I watched a long interview with Bill Gates and some dude uh, at the New York Times. So you didn't have to. Yeah. And uh, I pulled this. I pulled two clips from it. I want to play. Here's the first one. You know how can you do climate effectively? There's very limited money for uh, causes to reduce inequity in the world. Mm. And uh, no temperate country is going to become uninhabitable. Okay. Well, that's that's I mean, good it, to it, hear. The climate people have to decide, are we the science number people? Or, or, or you know, it, it, you really want to make your arguments, you know, based on uh, what you actually know uh, you know, about, okay, how much is the planet itself at risk, for example? Okay. I want to come back to some of those points. 
Okay. I thought that was interesting because um, he had a really hard time when he started saying it. He sounds like he sounds like he's finishing like, it. He sounds like, and also the 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 interviewer was like, "Okay, yeah, this interview just hey, went, this this interview just went joke here. What the hell's wrong? With this you, interview man? just went sideways on me." <laughs> Steve Malloy could have given that interview. Yeah, uh, and you know he's been caught uh, telling the truth. A couple other times, you remember he pissed all over wind and solar uh, a few years back and had to like walk that stuff back. Now, this doesn't mean Bill Gates is on our side by any means, but I thought that was interesting. And the other one I thought was interesting uh, uh, was this and not for why. uh, uh, Well, anyway, I'll play it and then we can talk about it. Mm. Can you say a bit more about something you just mentioned? You're the largest individual customer at Climeworks. Climeworks is one of the most uh, scaled and advanced carbon capture and sequestration companies. What does it mean that you're the single biggest customer? What does that look like? What, what, like what kind I of a customer a are you? Check. Yeah? Uh, <laughs> but, but are you offsetting your own personal emissions yes. with that? And what, can you give us a sense of the scale of that? Uh, it's you know, like 10 million a year. Okay. Uh, and, and just it's to be- It's a variety of things. The mm-hmm. Climeworks is part of it. You know, buying uh, electric heat pumps for low-income housing where they get mm-hmm. the benefits of lower monthly bills, and I'll, I take the carbon credits for those things. You know, there's uh, you know, solar panels. There's a, a huge variety of things. I don't use some of the uh, less proven uh, approaches. Such as? Uh, I don't plant trees. Uh. A lot, there's a lot of people who are very enamored with trees. We've got trees on this stage. Some people would even say that if you just planted enough trees, it could take care of the climate issue altogether. And that's complete nonsense. Okay. <laughs> I mean, are we the science people or are we the idiots? I, which one do we want to be? Uh... Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, so much for Chairman you. Westerman and Speaker McCarthy's trillion trees. Trillion trees. It, it, uh, it, it. it, it. You almost get the feeling like 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 Gates is starting to worry about his personal brand. So he, the the whole interview, he's all in on carbon taxes. He's all in on everything. He wants to you know phase it. He, he doesn't like. He, he's still all in. He brags about how he's the biggest spender of this and the biggest spender of that. That clip though, the trillion trees was funny. Yeah, but. Did you notice what his personal, what he assesses that ten, his ten personal million, ten million carbon tons. footprint ten, is? Ten million tons, man. That's a that's ten a, million dollars worth. Oh, was it ten million bucks? Year. Oh, I thought it was ten, $10 million dollars a year to offset his carbon footprint. I wonder what his carbon footprint is. I don't know, producer. You're gonna have to do the math for us. Well, I mean, we don't so. know, right? Because we don't know what he's paying per ton. But I mean. It, it, at a hundred, let's just let's just say a hundred dollars a ton, right? That's uh, that's a hundred thousand. That's a hundred thousand, right? It's a hundred thousand uh, tons. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Ten million bucks, huh? Ten million bucks, because you know those <sighs> yeah. private jets, the, the the fleet doesn't pay for itself. I would love to. I would love to be carbon indulgences. I would love so. to have ten million bucks to spend on offsetting my carbon footprint. That's pretty impressive. Very impressive. It is. Thank you, Bill Gates. But the good news is I can make fun of Trillion Trees for free. So <laughs> best things, right, let's do a, the best things in life really are free, gang. Let's do a rapid round, rapid energy round here. Um, so uh, I got a shot and a chaser for you. Yo. Uh, as you saw last earlier this week or late last week, the New York State Public Service Commission... Yeah. denied petitions requesting inflation adjustments, quote-unquote, for wind and solar energy projects in New York. Yeah, they weren't inflation adjustments, but okay. No. They wanted uh, the ratepayers to pay for the increased cost of the offshore wind that they're desperately trying to put yeah. online. Yeah, it's not a small number either. It's like 50, no. it's like $50 billion over the, co- over the life of the projects, right? The other thing – I'm sorry, go well, ahead. Well, let me, let, me just, yeah. let me just say. Jason Grumet was hopping mad. About- Jason Grumet, the, the CEO of the uh, Trade Association America's Clean Power. Arroz con pollo, which, by the way, is a tasty Mexican dish, ACP. <laughs> I like that. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> With one short-sighted decision, the NYSPSC has thrown New York's environmental and clean energy future into peril. 
Yeah, I don't think he's going to like. I don't think he's going to like what's coming on the Lake Champlain Hudson Express decision either. That's a that's a transmission line down from Canada. They want another billion dollars. I, I suspect the governor's going to say, "Yeah, you, you seriously, guys, you can't just come in here and like rob us." Have no fear. Have no fear. Secretary Jenny is coming to the rescue. I know that's the that's the thing. That's that 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 nobody really talked about that. You know that that kind of showed up. This is hot off the presses. Governor Hochul announces partnership between U.S. Department of Energy and New York State Energy Research and Development Authority to quote unquote accelerate clean energy financing to um, the tune. Let me see. This open ended thing with the loan guarantee office. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, which which uh, which leads you to wonder: Is the loan guarantee office really going to underwrite these guys for the twelve billion dollars they want right this second, and the thirty billion they want in the out years? I, well, they're going to try. Wow. They've been shoveling a lot of money out the door these last couple weeks. That's a hell of a lot of money for some crummy offshore wind projects in New York. The loan Department of Energy is going to basically give New York State the money that the PSC rejected for this and many multiple other clean energy financing projects in the state of New York to which uh, the taxpayers of New York will ultimately have to repay. Yeah. I, I, I'm not exactly sure how this thing's going to work. And the two things were not announced anywhere near each other, but they're obviously linked and it's obviously pretty sketchy and, Probably marginal, well, probably marginally corrupt as well. But within the bounds of this new partnership, the parties have defined a process to facilitate the review of applications from utility-scale solar, onshore, and offshore wind clean energy projects applying for financing through the LPO. This would include projects already under contract with NYSERDA, yeah. as well as those that will contract with them in the future. Yeah, which 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 definitely, you know, the stuff with NYSERDA, that definitely counts the offshore wind guys, right? So it could get written for that. I'm just not sure it's gonna. I think, in a way, I think Governor Hochul maybe made it more difficult now for, for DOE to come in and like do something like that because she made such a public thing about, hey, man, you can't can't just come in here and like rob the bank. But the truth of the matter is you can come in here and rob the bank next door if you want. Right. Um, you can rob the federal government's right. bank. You can, rob the, you can rob their bank. You just can't rob our Schumer, bank. Schumer is all over this too. He's very proud of his role in passing the historic climate legislation. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Ladies, so, you know, I, I, I'm – the next Republican president, uh, I think, is going to take a good hard look at that loan program office. I hope so. We didn't. They didn't do it last time. I know. I, know. I mean, to their credit, they didn't issue a ton of loans, but they, you I've know, been, they I've had been... a very, very aggressive plan to reorganize the Department of Energy. That was, uh, I, I will, I will paraphrase a friend who uh, ended up serving a fairly high role there. Man, maybe we should have take, took a look at that while we were there. So. I'm just going to – I'm going to – this is your weekly reminder that Rick Perry is – was not a good governor, was not a good secretary of energy. All right. What, am I not allowed to say that? No, no, you are. I was just going to move forward. Okay. Can you, you follow you, forward. Keep, we already, we keep, already keep, know this about – Keep – keep, keep please, please, please keep that in mind when President Trump, if he wins, uh, nominates him to be secretary of defense. This guy's been a train wreck everywhere he goes. Go ahead. All right. Stick with I'm going to I'm going to do a lightning round on cars here real quick. As you know, the NHTSA rulemaking comment period closed on Monday. Yep. My guess is is that they're going to have to do the deed here soon to be um uh not part of the CRA process, Congressional Review Act process should they uh have to vacate 1600 pen. So we're going to see that when do you think the 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 50 the 60% by 2035 or whatever of of electric vehicles practical matter fastest they could do it be March 1st okay so we have a few months to continue to raise awareness they may the they may that- they may hold on to it right because because Trump has now zeroed in on it and is making it a thing i can yeah. i can easily see a world cuz i know what their original plan was hey we're going to we're going to we're going to release the final in the middle of the campaign and build an event around it. Um, 
I'm not sure they're thinking about that between the strike and Trump now. They might be thinking, yeah, maybe we should just like throw that out the door one Friday afternoon kind of thing. Let the dust settle for a little bit. Yeah. All right. Well, that's darn good because things aren't going so well out there in in uh, EV in EV land. This is from Wall Street Journal. Ford considers cutting shift at F-150 Lightning pickup plant, UAW memo says. Sales of the electric truck have dropped in recent months after a strong start. Doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure out that our sales for the Lightning have tanked, the union leader wrote in the memo, which was viewed by the Wall Street Journal. Um, Ford spokesman declined to comment. Uh, Sales of EV pickup, which initially had long wait lists, have sputtered in recent months. Ford recorded a 45% drop in U.S. vehicle sales of its electric truck in the third quarter. Um, GM, our friend Mary Barra, announced, I don't have an article uh, tied to this, but I know this, that they are delaying production of their version of the F-150 EV, the Silverado, I believe, and, and another vehicle. Yeah. Uh, because there's just no demand. Silverado and the Yukon. Yeah. They, they, what there's they, no demand, Mike. Yeah. They, they announced what they, I think what they announced was they were not going to retool like some factory. They were going to have it keep making Yukons and Silverados or the ch- chassis for the Yukons and Silverados. And I was just like, cause it, like you say, cause case, hey, we can't sell this stuff. Smooth. I, I thought she told us this was the future. It is the future. Just like like the Chinese. So what's going it, on? It, it's just like the Chinese, man. It, it's the future. We just don't have a date on when the future is going to get here. Well, the EIA does, thankfully. Oh, yeah. The Energy Information Administration, yeah. in their 2023 International Energy Outlook, says yes. they project electric vehicles to account for between 29% and 54% of global new vehicle sales by 2050. There's that magic 2050. 2050. Net zero. I'm sorry. It's going to be 30% of sales by 2050. 29 to 54% of global new vehicle sales. Okay. Well, let's just pick the midpoint of those two numbers. So 40%, um, 41%. So uh, really? Because yeah. the administration told me it's going to be 67 percent by 2030. That's of, of domestic of American vehicles. China, okay, but here's their. <laughs> they guys. have to do global because China and Western Europe account for between 58 and 77 percent of those EV sales across all cases. I was told that because China is what a dictatorship that mandates certain types of things and types of behaviors for Chinese people. And uh, Western Europe is, of course, hopeless, which is why we left in the first place. Um, <laughs> Just keep in mind, the Chinese are selling cars. Chinese are selling electric vehicles made with slave labor three blocks from the White House. Yeah. So three blocks um, from the White House, guys. Nobody. OK, there was an as the article in the F-150 describes, there was an interest in EVs. Generally, yeah, that in, and that per, that sort of interest in EVs as a percentage has already peaked and has now been almost halved in the U.S. market. And the only the only cars that are still selling fairly well are Tesla. Teslas. I was going to say. I wonder if the I wonder if the EV thing isn't really a Tesla thing. I see lots of Teslas on the road. I see no other EVs. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, I wonder if it's just like, hey, man, everybody who wants to buy a, a fairly expensive toy buys themselves a Tesla, and that's that, right? They buy one, and they're done. It, it's it's not a sustainable business model, as the young people like to say. But and, and then at the same time, I'm confused because if EVs are the future, then and, – and I'll give them credit. They actually, you know, in the um, in their comments to the administration, the – folks representing G- GM, Toyota, and Volkswagen, and nearly all other major manufacturers Monday, sharply criticized the Biden administration proposal. Yeah, they butched it up a little bit. The Alliance for Automotive Innovation said the NHTSA uh, proposal was, quote, unreasonable and requested significant revisions. Mm. So hmm. this is where they say, oh, just give us more tools in the toolbox and we'll come back and do a kumbaya a little bit later. Yeah. 
I'm not, so, I'm not convinced. All right, what else you got? I got one more on cars, and then we will move on to begging for oil. This is from the Wall Street Journal today. Glenn Youngkin's plan to save gas cars. Voters in the elections in Virginia will decide if the GOP can repeal an EV mandate dictated by California. Uh, I, I applaud the Wall Street Journal. They're using a lot of our messaging uh, in this, in, in the Save Our Cars coalition. The bottom line is, is that if the House of, uh, if the Senate flips, then it is likely, uh, among other things, but it is likely that Governor Youngkin will be successful in overturning the bad decision by the previous governor to approve um, uh, adopting California's uh, EV mandate slash gas powered vehicle ban. Yep, and it's a and it's an issue in the, it's an issue in Virginia. It's a yes. live it's a live issue, right? Youngkin Youngkin mentions it at every stop. It figures prominently, right? It's one of the three or four things he talks about, and the Senate the Senate. And the House, right? We got to hold on to the House too in Virginia. Um, both Senate and House candidates talk about it on the stump all the time, right? They, they, save our, it's, save it's one, our cars. It's one of the three or four things. One of the three or four things the candidates themselves lead on, right? They have one local thing. They talk about parental rights, and then they talk about the California cars thing. Yeah, and of course, Democrats are making it a hundred percent about abortion. Um, and so, uh, you know, right now, current uh, electric vehicle ownership in Virginia is zero. 0.5% of all the uh, of all the vehicles on the road. I'm surprised it's that uh, low with the amount of communists in Northern Virginia. Yeah, they said though they were about 10% of the state sales for the first quarter of this there year. We so there That's, we uh, go. Everybody in Arlington and Fairfax buying and, their, buying their and Teslas. To our, to our point, Tesla makes up most of those sales. Shocker. Uh, the, the cars that everyone can afford, right? If I was Tesla, I'd argue against. If I was at, if I was Tesla, I'd argue against um, th these cafe rules. I would come out against all of it. Yeah, I would too. I'd be like, dude, I'm. I mean, I'm, Musk I'm, did I'm, it. I'm winning during the IRA. He said, I don't want any of these. Substances. Yeah. I, well, why would he? Right? Because he's winning. He's winning this. Why would he give seventy five hundred bucks per vehicle to to his to his opponents who are losing? Right. Okay. So so to um, go Virginia, do the right thing. Uh, give Youngkin all that would kill Reggie too, right? Yeah, sure. Yep. yep. Among other things, the yep. regional gas initiative would no longer be an issue. Yeah, uh, it would. It would. It would give the governor two years to basically pull out root and branch every everything that the every everything the last governor blackface did everything the last. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't the blackface. He was in the clan out. He was the guy under the hood. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everything the last you know him and Terry McAuliffe did. Would would be able to get pulled out root and branch, and trust me, that's the that is the overhang of this entire election in Virginia. It is, hey man, do you, do you want to go back to the way things were? Or are you okay with the way things have been? And I, most people are like, dude, I I did not like the last ten years. I want to go back. So we'll see. It doesn't, yeah. you know, and they're they're dragging around, you know, they're dragging around um, President Biden, right? Trying to. Everyone's like, this is your guy, not our guy. So Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I can we move on or do you have anything else on cars? Nope. That's it for me. Okay. So uh this is um as of yesterday, the uh United States has agreed to lift sanctions. Yeah, Venezuela. On Venezuela. Yeah. And the two areas. They, where the Department of Treasury immediately lifted the sanctions were gold and oil. Sure. In exchange for the promise of a free and fair election process under authoritarian President Nicolas Maduro. Sure. <laughs> this is a joke. Mm. Dude, it's, it's actually not a joke. It's sad and pathetic. Because Biden is essentially choosing oil from Venezuela over oil from American energy workers. Uh, did yeah. you know Pete Pete Stopper? <clears throat> Pete Stopper said it best in a column I wrote a, a couple of weeks ago. He's like, he's like, in every case, President Biden prefers anything other than American energy and anything other than American workers. And and Mr. Union, right? Yeah, Mr. So, yeah, he's a, he's a so look. 
He's American like- Energy Alliance has identified 175 specific actions that this administration and his buddies have taken to to curtail future production of oil and gas in the United States of America. And now, uh, as our as IR's Environmental Quality uh, Index points out, Venezuela has some of the quote-unquote dirtiest oil in the world. So this is not an environment play. And it is a another example of a reckless energy policy, but more importantly, or sadly, that is a reckless foreign policy that compromises, I believe, our national security interests. No doubt. No doubt. This is bad, bad, bad. And for those of you who just didn't like the mean tweets, this is this is part and parcel of the result of all of this. Yeah, I can't. I can't blame anybody. I got to be honest with you. He's just wearing me out too. I mean, the fact, the fact that, the fact that um, Congresswoman Miller Meeks got death threats because she voted against Jim Jordan. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you people? It's a crummy speaker's vote. The country's gone insane. I mean, Iran. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Trust China, me. I get it. It, it. Venezuela. Like, what's the what is the deal? Like, they said, oh, Trump has this, you know, soft spot for dictators. Doesn't seem to be the case. What you're saying is maybe Biden has a soft spot for dictators as well. The truth of the matter is everybody who would rule you has a soft spot for their fellow brethren who want to rule you. All right. I have. I'm done with energy. What do you have? Anything? For I, got, I got two things real quick. One is I wanted to uh, probably should have done this in announcements. I want to thank Tom Dusterberg over at the Hudson Institute. He put together a pretty good panel discussion yesterday, including Lou um, Polarizzi and um, and Jack Spencer. Um, two of my favorite people. Yeah, Washington. man. About I was on the 50th anniversary of the Arab oil embargo. Inexplicably, Mike Summers from the American Petroleum Institute showed up and like um, was was on point and on message and very good. I was hugely impressed. Um, you know, more, more of that, more of that, Mike, more of that. That's great. Um, and then, um, the only thing that the only thing the panelists had trouble with was when I asked them whether deindustrialization in Germany, um, and increasing energy prices was a feature or a bug of what the um, greens are trying to do. And they wandered around a little bit. I'm like, guys, we need clarity on this one. It's a feature. It's not a bug. It's intentional. They 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 want to make energy more expensive. Um, so that's one. And then the only other thing I got before we, I send it back to you for for a wrap up or finish or whatever you got coming to me. Yesterday, town hall, which is um, I don't know what to, how to describe town hall. It's a website, I guess. Um, issued a report, um, essentially connecting. Uh, Arabella Advisors, which is a national dark money operation, um, who funded, unfortunately, uh, a, a terror group, Palestinian terror group, at least been designated by the Israelis as a terror group, um, Semedun, uh, which organized a rally last week in support of Hamas. Um, Arabella funds them. Turns out they also fund a batch of Senate, um, state Senate. Democrats in Virginia, including all the guys in the in the toss-up districts, Monty Mason, Van Valkenburg, Russell Perry, all these guys. So I'm probably going to write a column about this because it looks pretty bad, right? I mean, Arabella has always been a funder of the left. I did not know until this thing came out yesterday that they were, in fact, a funder of Palestinian, let's call them at least no better than Palestinian-adjacent terror groups if they're not an actual terror group. So... You know, um, did you see the the uh, who was it that got carjacked? One of the Henry Quayer. No, no, no. It was one of the 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 Soros DAs, I think. So. Oh no! Yeah, really? <laughs> you see that? No, I didn't. Uh, I can't remember who it was exactly, but it was one of the Soros DAs that got carjacked. That's classic. So. Anyway, that's it for okay, me. Okay, I congratulations are in order and. I didn't. I can't believe you didn't bring it up, uh, and I don't know why I'm bringing it up because you didn't. But uh, I suppose now you will be ins- completely insufferable that you have slaughtered that Notre Dame slaughtered USC uh, last weekend. 
Fight on rule the sea. <laughs> and congratulations to you, producer. The the Detroit Lions are five and one. And they're on a roll, baby. They're playing like they've never played before. How much of the city are they going to burn down if they win a playoff game? <laughs> Gretchen Whitmer's going to have to call out the, the National Guard just to keep the city from getting burnt to the ground. <laughs> All right. And the Bills squeaked by last week. That uh, was the ugliest. Your Giants. That was the ugliest so. game I can. What are the odds of you get five plays at the one yard line and score no points? You got to figure yeah. at some point, like, hey, they're going to score something. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap for this week. We are going to close, though, with some strong, strong words from Vice President Harris. Don't hear no. I eat no for breakfast. Don't hear no. <laughs> Always believe in what can be, unburdened by what has been. Always. Don't hear. I eat no for breakfast. But I still got to throw in that unburdened by what has been jag. It's just got to happen because that's my thing. That's it's part, my TM. It's part that's of, my trademark. It's part of the Venn diagram. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, 153 glorious episodes of the Unregulated Podcast is in the books. Have a great week. Good luck, Republicans. Let's hope you find a speaker so we can move forward and spend all that money. Namaste. Hey.